Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The best hard rock. The best heavy metal. Talking Metal. A podcast hosted by Mark Striegel and John Astronomy. Available through iTunes and most other podcast providers. Feel the power. Feel the glory. TalkingMetal.com Hey, welcome to Talking Metal. Once again, on today's show, we are going to be playing an uncut interview from our Fuse TV show. The people at Fuse were kind enough to let us air this stuff for you guys, unedited, or post this stuff, I should say. And... Uh, it's it's awesome because you get to hear everything that happened in these interviews. You know, on the TV show, stuff is cut down so tight that uh, it ends up only being a few minutes. Absolutely. Um, you will hear probably about a, at least 30 or possibly 40-minute interview that we did with Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. Yeah, and we want you to tune in. Thursday night, which actually might be the day you are downloading this and listening to this, on Fuse, 11 o'clock on the East Coast, 8 o'clock on the West Coast. John, you will be out on the West Coast, so you're going to actually have to tune in at 8 o'clock. Yes, yeah, I will tune in at 8 p.m. from my hotel in Hollywood, California. Yeah, you guys got to check this show out. Even if you saw it, watch it again. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. We have Nikki Six of Motley Crue and 6AM. We have Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. Serge Tankian, who has a great new album out. The whole band, Mondo Generator, led by Nick Oliveri. And uh, then, of course, we jam with Frank and Bumblefoot from Guns and Roses. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And if you haven't seen Rob Halford talking about that jam... We have it on our site, TalkingMetal.com. You go to the YouTube section, and I think it's like there's 13 video, or 14 videos posted up there. I think it's right. like the 14th one. So uh, poke around. I think they call it Fuse Production Reel or something. There's a new uh, MySpace page, actually. If you go to our MySpace page, which is MySpace.com slash TalkingMetal, Fuse has actually set up a talking metal on fuse myspace page so you should definitely check that out and uh, request to be their friend we don't run that by the way yeah um it's a, a really cool new myspace page and the address is myspace.com slash 
Fuse Talking Metal. That's F-U-S-E-T-A-L-K-I-N-G-M-E-T-A-L. Definitely be Talking Metal on Fuse's friend on MySpace, as well as be our friend on MySpace. Yeah, please, please check out the TalkingMetalForums.com run by John Casamano, a.k.a. Exciter. They are exploding, as usual, posts all over the place. Uh, A lot of people uh, talking about the Led Zeppelin reunion, which is actually going to be happening tonight. It's actually already happening, believe it or not. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like because of the time difference. The first song was... Good times, bad times. I believe it's like going on as we speak. As we're taping this, it's happening. Wow. And of course, today is Monday in New York City, and it is about 5.30 p.m. So very exciting stuff. Uh, People talking about it on the forums. People always online on the forums. Uh, People remembering uh, Dime. It's been three years, tragically, uh, since we lost one of the greatest heavy metal guitar players ever, Dimebag Daryl. Yeah, uh, such a, a sad day uh, for, for everyone. And that um, was December 8th. You're hearing uh, what we're doing today is December 10th here in New York City. Yeah, the one thing that uh, was cool was that we, despite the fact that uh, December 8th was such a bad day, yesterday, which was December 9th, we had such a great day Spending some time during the day with Vinnie Paul. Yeah, Vinnie was in town with Hell Yeah, and it was great to see him and hung out with Bob Zilla, actually, too, Absolutely. who was, of course, in Damage Plan. So uh, it was great seeing those guys, and, um, you know, I know that it was definitely a, it's definitely a tough time of year for them, you know, right. and um, it was really cool for them to, uh, you know, come into New York City and rock it. Yeah, the Hell concert yeah. was amazing uh, last night. Hell yeah, played at a place called the Fillmore, which used to be called Irving Plaza. And uh, once again, just uh, thanks to those guys. And I hope we were able to brighten up their day a little bit, uh, you know, by hanging around. And uh, after uh, we all, you know, hung out together, me and Bobzilla went to uh, a bar, watched the Pittsburgh Steeler game because uh, he's a big fan, as am I. And then we went to a bookstore, picked up a few books, and then headed right over to the Fillmore, where Hell Yeah put on a kick-ass show. Cool, cool. People wondering on the forums when the next Talking Metal Live will be, and I got to tell you, I don't know. I don't know. There's so much stuff, guys, going on behind the scenes right now that we can't quite tell you about yet, but we hope to soon. That I don't even know when we're going to have time to do Talking Metal Live. And sadly, uh, I haven't even really told John this, but there might be a possibility that we're going to have to put Talking Metal Live aside until some time frees up in the schedule. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think uh, we won't officially cancel the show, but uh, we'll just kind of put it on hold for a little bit. Maybe we could do one more. I know... uh, Steve, who runs Bionic, said there is studio time available whenever we want it. So uh, maybe maybe we'll look at the calendar. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll let you guys know for sure. You can always find out about Talking Metal Live, you know, on TalkingMetalLive.com and, of course, on the forums where John and I are posting all the time. So big shout out to all you posters, Yellowfin, Exciter, Burt Gabriel, Biker Chick from Texas, Premonition, Wargrider, Mayor McCheese, Z-Man, <laughs> all the regular guys, Sergeant, 
politeness. Uh, Donnie G, you know, all you guys posting away. Um, let me let me take a look here. Give a shout out to some of the new forum uh, guys who have registered recently. Let's see if I can figure out how to do this. Ascending order. Uh, I also want to send a special thanks out to Steve and Dan and everybody else at Bionic because those guys are cool. <laughs> and Dan is sitting right here. Which yeah, Dan's is, uh... helping us out engineering. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Dan. Dan. Some of our recent registers on the forum. Hot Carl, Creator, period T7, Pilo, Toon Guns, Hawk. Big shout out to all you guys. Thanks for joining us on the Thank forum. you, guys. Got to grab a phone call. We're going to press pause. Hello? I don't even know where I left off. You were, I think. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Just had to take a phone call there. Thanks to all you uh, recent forum posters. We are glad you have joined us. A quick letter. Thank you, forum posters. Mark and John, just finished listening to episode 176. It was cool to hear this episode. I just saw Black Tyranny Tour here in Albuquerque last week. It was awesome. We missed Sanctity but we got there in time for Throwdown, which I think you just interviewed. That is true. We did. Um, anyways, he goes on to talk about Arch Enemy and seeing him before on Gigantor and that they put on an awesome show. And uh, it's hard to believe that a girl as hot as Angela can sound like that and be believable, but she is. I totally agree with that. Angela is hot and she rocks it. Uh, and anyways, this guy just uh, is just checking in with us, Rodrigo from Albuquerque, New Mexico. He says, in two weeks, he has spent a lot of money on CDs. He just picked up the heavy metal box set that we uh, mentioned in a previous podcast, and he said it's awesome. Uh, also, he picked up Megadeth's War Chest, The New Down, Ice Earth, Nightwish, Overkill, Arch Enemy, and uh, he also bought three Dream Theater bootlegs. So... Anyways, Rodrigo, thanks for checking in with Talking Metal. Uh, oh, and then it says, looking forward to Battlestar Razor and the new season. Uh, yeah, Razor at this point has already aired, and it was awesome. The DVD is out, and I highly recommend you guys pick up that because there's like 13 minutes of unseen footage. Uh, and yeah, Razor rocks, Battlestar rocks. And Rodrigo from uh, New Mexico. He rocks, too. Thank you, Rodrigo, man. I, totally. I think that the down record... It's one of your favorites of the year. Yeah, d- the third Over down, the yeah, it is so, so good. Uh, highly recommended. Just so many great songs on that. And, and uh, saw the video for On March the Saints the other day on TV, and just so good. Such a great song. So many great songs. I have to say my favorite songs on the record, On March the Saints... Nothing in Return, which is, is very Zeppelin-esque and Sabbath-esque, amazing. And also digging Three Suns and One Star. But the whole record rocks. It's a rare record because you can put it on, rare CD, that's showing my age here. You can listen to it from start to finish, which is rare nowadays. I have two comments. Um, one. What, what are your comments, John? Okay, my first comment is want to remind all of the Talking Metal listeners that Kirk from Down will also 
be on the great Talking Metal and Fuse pilot. 11 o'clock. Thursday night, night, my friends. Thursday night. 8 o'clock for all you West Coast. California folk and Seattle folk and Oregon. Oregon. For CD Baby people like Derek Sivers. CD Baby has their own podcast. I know. I saw that today. uh, Finish your two comments there. (laughs) So everybody got to tune in to Talking Metal on Fuse Thursday, December 13th, 11 p.m. East Coast, 8 p.m. West Coast. Unsure in the middle of the country. You got to check that out for yourself. But the second comment is, and you were talking about records and showing your age. I'm going to show my age. My favorite saying of the day is, if you got the time. We've got the beer. We were just uh, (laughs) talking about that earlier. So let's do a toast since we're drinking some beer. I'm going to actually need to get a new beer. I have about one swig left here. And I'm going to have to try to... Very good. I got the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale happening right here. I'm drinking Brooklyn Lager. You know what the funniest thing is? On one of our previous podcasts, you were talking about that Sierra Nevada. And the way you said it reminded me of Michael from The Office. Do you ever watch that show, The Office? Yeah. yeah. I, I you know, I didn't like it show. at first, but my wife loves it, and now I'm so hooked on The Office. Yeah, yeah, I, me too. I, I was even thinking of buying all three seasons on DVD, because yeah. it is freaking hilarious. Right? Yeah. Got to get you into Heroes, man. Yeah. Heroes is a great show, too. I, I know. Uh, I'll tell you, I've always um, liked NBC shows yeah, well, for some reason. I'm not just saying that because you're associated. You yeah. know, NBC, of course, owns the sci-fi channel. Right, absolutely. And uh, I always like that building, 30 Rock, um, and uh, my favorite show is Law and Order. Cool. Very All good. of the different Law and Order series. Very good. So let's, so let's get into the interview. We'll uh, lead in here with a little classic Megadeth. This is Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? And we'll end the interview with a little uh, new Megadeth. Yeah, how about America Stan? I really like that tune. You got it, man. You got it. Rocket, and a big special thanks to Dave Mustaine, and thank you to Fuse for allowing us to air their interview, unedited, here on Talking Metal Podcast. Check it out. Hey, Mark and John here, checking in with you, and we are very honored because we have the great Dave Mustaine with us here today. Dave, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Hello. We're uh, excited about the War Chest that's coming out. Four CDs, a lot of unreleased stuff, um, a DVD. Now, did you personally pick all the tracks that are going to be on this? No, but I was on them. 
You, you were on the <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the, tra the tracks that were all there, they were in the vault of our capital, and I don't know everything that's over there. I mean, I remember all of the sessions. I know that there were tons of outtakes and stuff, but in order for me to keep track of those hundreds of takes and stuff, there's uh, there, there are 247 documented bootleg live albums of Megadeth right now. So, I mean, for me to go through what the legitimate stuff is on top of that, it's just ridiculous. You know, I mean, some of the stuff is really raw it's from the very beginning, and I was just just learning how to sing. Because I started actually singing on New Year's Eve in uh, 1983. I'd never sang before that, except you know what I said when I was doing backup vocals in Metallica. But, right. You know, so running. <laughs> yeah, that's a real hard background vocal, isn't it? Um, so you know, going from that point on, it's it, you know just just learning about the whole process. It's, it's difficult. You know, if you're not a front man, if you're not a singer and you have to learn how to do stuff like that, you know, the whole circular breathing and stuff. Right. Besides, you know, as soon as you go from being a guitar player to a front man, too, you've got to learn how to be a cock. So, you know, to be that whole arrogant front man kind of guy. Was it hard for you back when you first started doing singing? I mean, some of the guitar parts are so complicated, I would mm -hmm. say, to, to also be singing on top of it. It seems like very it's difficult hard. as a guitar yeah, player myself, hard. you know. Was that a hard thing for you to learn? And get I used didn't. To? I didn't write the songs based on me singing over the top of them. Right. So the first record was pretty much being written with guitar playing being predominantly my focus. And when I got to the point where we'd been auditioning singers, some dude came in and he had eyeliner on, and me and Ellison were homeless at the time, and he brought beer, and we figured. <laughs> There's a price of admission, and we drank his beer and then kicked him out. And me and Dave were talking, and just the whole eyeliner concept wasn't cool for us. Right. You know, for me, I thought that glam stood for gay LA metal, and, and for, I just couldn't handle that whole, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <Psst>. Right. <laughs> you know, come on. Um, and the bass player that was with my last band before Cliff had been a photographer, and he used to have all these private pictures of taking. Uh, um, that he'd taken a bands that do that whole glam thing. So we were really the antithesis of all that. So seeing this guy come in with eyeliner on it just really flipped me out. And, and when I had to switch over to singing, it was like, all right, what am I going to do? Am I going to undo the guitar playing and make it more simple? No, I don't want to do that. So there's kind of like, it's almost like this thing, right? You know, inside of your head where you're doing this, trying to sing and play guitar at the right, same yeah. time. Well, you know, it's, uh, Mark and I have been talking Oh, sorry, about I forgot that. you were no, there. That's all right. <laughs> Mark and I have actually been doing what we're doing now since back in the 80s, and we actually saw you together April 88 at the Orpheum Theater in Boston, so far so good, so what tour. And uh, One of the best concerts yeah, I've ever, ever show. saw. And, Thanks. Um, and uh, we've just both been, been fans, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to thank you for, for all this great music. And the thing about this new album, United Abominations, is that every once in a while I get depressed and think that there's like no good music coming out. And there's so many tracks on this record that gave me the excitement. When I used to get albums, I used to put them on and pick like my three or four favorite tracks. And I haven't been able to do that with a lot of bands recently. But this, to me, sounds like classic Megadeth, and I can pick several tracks off of this that I just think are unbelievable. Thanks. Yeah, and I'll, so I'll it's like you, Prozac then. Yeah, it is. It helps me, <laughs> seriously, because I get bummed out, like literally discouraged about the music business and think that, you know, bands I like sound different now, and, and this record isn't like that, and you guys, I think, just still sound like Megadeth sounded back in the day. Thanks. And I, I think it's amazing. And I stayed up all night last night uh, 
figuring out United Abomination, <laughs> just in case uh, we did some jamming today. Oh, the song? Yeah. Shoot, I don't remember how to play that song. <laughs> Last time I played that was in the studio. So you guys don't do that one live? But... No, not yet. You know, when we go into the studio to create stuff, we work on the song, we build the song, we turn it into what it is, we record it, and then let it go. And then it's gone forever. And if it's one of the songs that shows up on the record that is dominant enough to you know, be um, worthy of being played live, that's when we decide what we're going to play. I mean, I was talking to the boys just a couple of days ago about adding a new song. I said we should add Burnt Ice because, I mean, obviously Burnt Ice is about the epidemic of crystal meth in America. The reason I even wrote that song, there's a purpose for that. It wasn't to do a you know, a, a public service announcement, but it was basically to address the fact that, you know, me being a dad, take that away from everything. Me being a person, having friends that are addicted to that drug, it just blows my mind. So I wanted to put it in a way that young people could hear about the, the travesty that goes along with that and not, not be deceived and think that that crap's cool, because it ain't. You know, um, you have your daughter, Electra. How is it being a dad? I have a son, too, uh, Justice. So, you know, there's challenges. Uh, each child is different, and um, I don't feel like, you know, most parents say, I can't wait till you have your kids of your own, you know, because I never heard that stuff. But for me to be able to break a lot of the patterns, you know, people all come up to me and say, like, well, your son's a teenager. How are you when you were 15? How did you treat your parents? And I say, well, I was living on my own at 15, so that doesn't work, you know, and then, you know, they shut up. Everybody's a child psychologist until they think about the fact, well, I was on my own then, so you can't use the normal, you know, uh, cleaver family type paradigm to figure out my problems. You know, I, I'm away most of the time. I love my kids. I can afford to have them out here all the time. But I want them to have a better life than me. I want them to excel in school. I want them to do good in business. I want them to have morals and values and stuff like that. And, and, do I want my daughter coming out here and seeing girls lift up their top? No. Do I mind girls lifting up their top? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But the thing is, it's like, you know, I'm also trying to be a good example. And uh, in rock and roll, you got to kind of almost be a, a horse's ass to be taken serious, you know. I look really uh, different from a lot of people because I'm not pierced. I don't have any tattoos. And to me, I'm not a circus pony. When my job as a musician is over, I can go off into retirement without having a sinking battleship across my chest. You know, and some of the things that you think are part of the music business aren't. They're just not. Who says you have to be tattooed to be cool? Don't have anything against body art. It's all over our website. I love seeing somebody who has making a tattoo. Sound. Unfortunately, James McDonough, the last bass player we had, is a temporary guy. He goes, man, I think I'm going to go get myself a tattoo. Gets a big Megadeth tattoo on the back of his leg and got fired a couple months later. I was like, <laughs> get tall socks. Oh, that's funny. Um, speaking of bass players, um, I know James Lomenzo is with you now. And I've mm -hmm. known uh, you know, about James and met him back many years ago in the 80s. And uh, how's it working with him? And how did you know him from the... You know, the other base players. Oh, he was the enemy. If I would have known he was in White Lion, right. I, I would have said, forget it. You know, but he was in Zach's band, and right. I respect Zach, and I thought, you know, hey, he can't be a hack. In fact, he was um, recommended to me by the guy that was the A&R guy over at ESP Guitars, which... You're right. <laughs> um, but he go into the office where our manager was, and I said, oh, okay, show me what you can do. Picks up his bass, it's like, okay, he can play. Cool. Definitely 
better than McDonough or Ellison was. And I was like, this is a player. Cool. But he had a beard down to here, and I was thinking, oh, how am I going to deal with that? And, and I said, what about the beard? He goes, it's part of the prop for being a BLS. He says it'll be gone tomorrow. And I went, really? So he showed up, and he was all clean-shaved. Wow. And, and I was... I was so excited because he's dedicated, he's a great singer, he's a great player, he uh, is capable of being a leader, he's a front, uh, a front man in his own right. You know, last night, his moments, when he has his moments, everybody gets featured to a degree in a band if you're a fair band. His moments, he's a commander. I remember being in a club in, in Tokyo, Frankie Bella was right here, and I can't remember who was sitting there, so you don't matter right now, but um, <laughs> I was just kidding. And Scott Ian was there, and Charlie was over there, and Frankie was telling me some stuff, and James, no, James was right here, that's right. And, and he was just conducting court. And I'm watching all the guys in Antax go, I'm thinking, they don't even listen to me like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's just that moment, it was Osaka, Japan. I was really, it was one of those moments where you really become proud of one of your band members because you know that other people respect them too. Because yeah. there's been a lot of questioning the decisions that I've had to make in my band. And frankly, it's not that hard to figure out. If you have one vision, you go in one direction, there's no problems. If someone's trying to steer the vehicle this way, well, there's a door, right? Get out. We're going this way. And we've always had a common vision. Right now, the vision that we all have, um, the drovers eat, breathe, live metal. I mean, they listen to stuff that's such garbage, that's metal stuff. It's like, you know, I would, if you listen to their iPods and stuff, uh, you looked inside there, it's just endless bands about disemboweling virgins and stuff over from Norway and, and yeah, stuff like that, right? So I, I, I don't get that. I'm, you know, I'm not a gastrointestinal wannabe surgeon, so, you know, chopping up virgins and that's in my bag, you know what I mean? But they can play. So I can go up to them and say, hey, you know what, let's do this song. Okay, let's do it tonight. Wait, let, let's, you know, because right, they, they, they want to do it right down there because, you know, they know, the, they know the songs. They know the entire catalog of all of the back music. That's and, amazing. You know, I, I'm getting harassed by these guys to add two new songs in right now. We were going to add Ashes in Your Mouth into the set and Skull Me at the Skin, which is a great classic from way back in the day. It, it's funny that you have to go back and learn your tunes because of the way you said you record them and then you kind of put them aside. Well, there's over a hundred songs. Yeah, right. You know. Now, when you were doing remastering, you also, like on some of the records, you even did some re-recording of had parts, to. right? I had like to. on So Far, So Good, So What? Stuff like, disappeared. What? And did you have to relearn stuff? or What do you mean it disappeared? The, like the actual tracks. master tapes? Yeah, sometimes tracks they will, uh, because it's you know, the celluloid and you've got material that sticks to one side and the other side is clean, sometimes that stuff will uh, degenerate and... Parts will be lost or it will be uh, unlistenable to it. In other words, it's corrupted. Now, they didn't really call tape corrupted back then. They would just say it's fucked up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and when you lost something, you lost something. Mm -hmm. So when the tapes came back from the vault, they had to put them into an oven at a and set temperature and heat them up so that um, everything would release because it's all of this celluloid. Over time, okay. gravity... It, uh, destroys the tape. All right. So uh, when the tapes came back to us after being baked, you've got to also take into consideration it's plastic, it's in an oven. What happens if something happens? So uh, there were vocal tracks that disappeared. Um, there was a bass track, a teeny little part that just got dissolved, for lack of a better word. 
And I kept it as a, you know, the integrity of the record as much as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. There were some things that's in the mix that were on the original record that were supposed to be on the original record. But when you collaborate with somebody, unless I have absolutely no respect for you, if I'm collaborating with you, I'm going to listen to your ideas, right? Sure. If not, I'm paying you to just sit there. Why would I pay you to sit there? Right. Unless you're like a mail order bride or something. <laughs> but uh, the thing with collaborating, sometimes the decision doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. You know, and in good partnership and being a good, you know, good leader, you've got to take those risks. And we made some decisions with some of the records, like with Euthanasia, it was, the record was slowed down. Max Norman, who had mixed Rust in Peace, and this is my thinking, yeah. he mixes Rust in Peace, Rust in Peace is a smash. He helps me, I produce, he's kind of like the co-producer for Countdown to Extinction, it's number two, so I'm going, wow, this is real easy to do the math. Yeah. The more control I give him, the more successful we've been becoming, Right. right? So after Countdown, I figured, you know what, Max, why don't you take the reins and, and I'll kind of like be the co-producer. So we kind of did this thing. Mm -hmm. And you can see in the video of Evolver, Max is cross-eyed, so he's going... <laughs> <laughs> trying to count to a metronome, right? Right. <laughs> to make all the songs 120 beats per minute. Wow. And he said that that's the success to singles. They have to be 120 beats per minute. So I'm thinking... You mean if I would have slowed Black Friday down to 120 beats per minute, I'd hear it on KOS? Yeah. Yeah, in, America, in California or something. But Max was a great guy to work with. Um, I picked him because of his work with Ozzy. Right, he did, did Diary yeah, and yeah. Blizzard, sure. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. cool. Now you mentioned... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to uh, talk about something. I'm not going to name uh, a company that you previously named, but you're with Dean Guitars now. Mm -hmm. And those, those uh, you know, your new signature model is... Have you played right? one? I haven't played it yet, uh, but I've watched the video of you on the Dean website uh, doing the interview, and um, I've always been fans of these, just because I, I had a Jackson back in, like, it's like an early 80s, like, Randy Rhodes model, and I just got used to the feel of these and even sitting and playing these. And I know that you said that you started because of Michael Shanker with mm. these. And, uh, but tell us about the Dean. Um, I know you're even getting into like flame tops and stuff like that, whereas in the past you had said that uh, you thought that guitars that had like wooden tops looked like a, you're playing a coffee table. No, that was that my was Friedman's quote. Oh, that was? Okay. Actually, if you look in the uh, Evolver video, uh, again, um, Ellison's quoting Friedman too there because you know they look at exotic wood and they think that um, you know they've got their it doesn't really seem like you know something that's really pretty is metal. I mean, to me, if the guitar sounds great, it sounds great. And and uh, I, I have no idea what's even in the case, the one that I brought today. I know that there's a graphic with some wings on it that's really cool. And, and my favorite one is black, solid black. Just a black. Right? That's it. Because I know you, you, most of your guitars were either black or silver mm -hmm. or white. I'm really old school. I don't really like cool. the white ones because blood shows up on a little bit if I cut my fingers when I'm playing and... And then that starts to look stupid, like I want to be, you know, Sid Vicious kind of thing. Right. You know, black's good for me because it doesn't distract from what I'm doing, and you can really see the fingers flailing on there too. The, the thing is, you're using the, like the same amp setup and all the same other gear, but you said that you can even hear your solos better on with that guitar. Yeah, guitar. you can. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. Of, it, what is it though? Is it? That's I don't strange. know. You know, for you to say that one ruler is any different from another ruler is the same thing. One hammer is different from another. Who the hell knows? It's just there's a balance thing there, you know? And I used to be able to go pick up a guitar from my first company that I endorsed, and then I'd pick up another one, and it wasn't the same. Right. And then I would go pick up another one, and the electronics would be backwards. And then I'd go another place, and the neck would be fatter. 
these guitars, everyone they've sent me now that we've concluded what the prototype was supposed to be, it's like they're being spit out of a machine that's the same exact guitar every time. And I was up in Canada on the Heaven and Hell tour doing a solo to Sleepwalker, which is a kind of a difficult solo to me because you have to, uh, you're fretting here and you're pulling off with these fingers and you're switching back and forth. And because I have to bar and pull off at the same time and do all that stuff, it, 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 there's a possibility sometimes there's a harmonic that goes on or there's some microphonic noise going on with the rest of the strings. Right. And I'm listening to it and I'm, I'm thinking, God, my guitar sounds kind of plinky because, you know, I was hearing all the notes and then I went to sustain and the note was totally clean and I was like, wow, wow, that really had cleaned up there. And from that point on, I stopped trying to figure out what it was because I figured if I got too involved in it, it would sound bad again, so. Where, where is Dean out of? Where, where do they make him? Is it Texas? Uh, or is it LA? Dean, uh, the guy that's the namesake, Dean Zielinski, is out of Chicago. The owner of the company is out of Florida. And the factory's down in Florida. And my signature models are American-made. Cool. And um, the drovers have been down there. I haven't. I'm planning on going down there when we hit Florida this trek. Now, are they going to possibly do um, like a lower price model? Too? Yes, they are. Yeah. They've got they've got entry model guitars. They've got semi-professional guitar player models, and they've got professional guitar player models, and then they have the deluxe versions for those of us who are professionals. And and you know you kind of figure, well, how much more can a guitar get deluxe than the standard version that I have as my signature? Well, not much. So that the in order for them to make the guitar any better because it plays so well, they have to do cosmetic stuff to it. And I have an acoustic that they gave me that is just the most ridiculous looking thing in the world. It's got tortoiseshell, abalone, pearloid, wood inlay, wow. um, all of this crazy stuff and, and jade tuners and stuff. And I'm looking at this and it's like, it almost looks like, like a Chinese coffee table. Right. Mm. <laughs> with the no, with all the, the jade and like... Yeah. Like you should turn it over and read a story. <laughs> the Ming Dynasty or something in there. Now, is that uh, just an acoustic they made f specifically for you? Or no. You know, well, we're talking about doing an acoustic guitar, and, and oh, they cool. sent this over to me to show me what they're capable of doing. And, and wow. I, I said I loved it. I called up the people at Ovation, who are a great company, and stood by me, and I said, I'm going to be moving on. And um, that's where we're at right now. I'm going to be making a guitar with them. But it's, it's, it's got to be right. Everything that I've ever done, I've tried not to rush. You know, there's only one right way to do anything. And for me, I don't respond well to being rushed. Is yeah. Dean still involved at all? Zelensky? Yeah, he is. Oh, okay, because I know well, he sold the company. And then um, Elliot bought it, and then he brought Dean back in and uh, just totally revamped the company. Um, after Daryl had passed away, uh, they needed uh, to kind of reevaluate things, and they wanted another marquee player. So they contacted me, and I was like, um flattered that you compare me with Daryl and I was excited to go there I didn't like the v-head right so I asked so you, if you, they would change they the did. headstock they for me and they you, did which is cool. yeah it's like getting coke to change their stripe you know right. what I mean but I told them that I would work harder for them than, than uh, anybody they've ever had before not knowing what I was saying but uh, you know and now I'm flying at like 3 a.m. from India to Germany to go do the German Stein Nam show, whatever oh, wow. it is. Right. <laughs> I'm playing in I think we're supposed to play one night in, in like India, and then I'm supposed to fly to that show the next day. So, will we be able to do Winter Nam? 
in uh, L.A. this year? Yeah, but I, you know what? I went to the Summer Nam when it was in Nashville because I had friends there. Boring. Oh, really? I've been to guitar shows, but I haven't yet been to a Nam show. Mm-hmm. Well, the Nam show's, the Nam show's okay. It's kind of like a circus, though. You know, there's a public day where everybody gets to come, and then there's the poser day where everybody doesn't come from the public. You know, and everybody else that's there, they're just, you know... You kind of see where all the washed-up rockers go. They go work for music stores and, you know, stuff like that. And, and, and I feel sorry for them because they've all got such great hearts. They're excited to meet you, and they want to hang out and say, Hey, man, I was in a band once. I had, I had long hair once. Yeah. <laughs> you are probably skinny, too, once, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's do, like, two more questions, Mark. Okay, okay. Mark. Dave, I wanted to, to go back... Uh, Post 9-11, New York City, most bands were canceling their shows. I, I, John and I are, are New Yorkers, and uh, I just remember you guys coming into town. I think it was probably like October, maybe even late September. You did the show, mm-hmm. and it was such a, a, a amazing moment for the people that you came in here, and you ended the show bringing out the V with the American flag, doing Holy Wars. Can you share some memories about coming into New York City to do that show? All I remember is the same thing that you felt at that time. We were all proud of our country. We were all united, and we were all ready to stand shoulder to shoulder and fight. We ain't like that today. We've forgotten. You know, it's sad the uh, nationalism here in our country. It's pathetic. Nobody really wants to stand up for what freedom and liberty we have. And I wasn't going to let anybody scare me. When we canceled the show in Seattle on September 11th, it was out of um, good taste. When we played the next night in Canada, it was because um, I'm not going to let them scare me. I mean, if they kill me, you know, it's over. I played Tel Aviv. I played Dubai. You know, um, I'm an international citizen. I play around the world. I've never really gone out and uh, finger-pointed about any particular administration uh, other than trying to get people themselves to recognize the power that they hold themselves. When I got involved in the Democratic National Convention in 92, I mean, I was there, representing us, Mm -hmm. the disenfranchised youth of America, the unofficial elected official, Dave Mustaine's here, you know, he's going to ask the questions. I went all the way to the White House. I represented us. There's not a lot of people that want to do that for us. I'm very well taken care of, and I think that I owe that to our fans, not to be intimidated. And when I get up on stage, um, sometimes it's just fun. Sometimes I'm making a really big statement. That night was a really big statement. Your police force had taken me over to ground zero, and there was something very chilling about being there because we went through a lot of the barricades, very deep into ground zero. Um, I was on the opposite side. Was it still smoking at that time? Yeah. It was dreadful. And, and, you know, I I had a lot of experience as a kid playing around with Satanism and witchcraft and and experiencing the occult and feeling darkness. Mm -hmm. That felt really weird when I went there. I'm sure there were a lot of paranormals that were, you know, that would explain because of all the death that was there that there was probably a lot of souls there that were really just, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then when I went back on stage that night... um, I mean, how could you not love this city? How, how could you not want to fight for her? Even though I'm a Californian, you know, I, I lived here for a little while. Right. You know, very short period of time. Yeah. What about Gigantor? Last time I saw you play was down in uh, PNC, and Crazy. it was awesome. Arch Enemy, mm-hmm. Lamb of God, Megadeth. We mm-hmm. had an awesome time at that mm-hmm. show. I know you're doing some stuff in Australia, but can we expect Gigantor back in the States maybe in 2008 at some point? Or Yes. 
And are you picking bands for that now? Or? Almost done. Really? Cool. Very cool. Can't Any share any with us at this point? I can. What is going to air? He's... November. Are you sure? Uh, okay. Gigantor next year will be Megadeth, Children of Bottom, In Flames, Job for a Cowboy, and we're looking for another band right now. Wow. So. There you go. Exclusive right here. Cool. Well, John, you have anything else? Just wanted to say thanks, Dave, for, for coming down. And I was just wondering if I could, after this is done, check out your uh, guitar that you brought. Go ahead. Cool. Yeah. You guys, are we okay with time? Yeah, um, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got about 15 minutes. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. oh I, thought, I, thought, I thought you said two more questions. Yeah. Yeah. She did say two more questions. Yeah. 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 You're not hearing so much. Are you still friendly with Alice Cooper? He's my godfather. Oh, wow. How's he doing? He's a lovely man. I'm trying to listen to his radio show. But I don't think we have it here in New York. Yeah, it's a little lamby pamby for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I love him. And I think that um, he does a really good, conservative, no. Republican kind of Christian right. metal show. Yeah. You know, some Christian too. But I'm not right. a Republican, right? Well, which, world, which I wanted to ask you about that, because a lot of, I mean, the message boards seem to debate your political stance back and forth. Well, and, I voted yeah. for Clinton, I voted for Bush. The reason I voted for Bush was because I interviewed Kerry when we did the National Democratic Convention thing, and he dissed me hard, and I was there with MTV, big sticker on the camera, big, uh, whatever the thing you call it, on the microphone. He just plain flat out dissed really? the station and what we represented, and I knew there was something inside me that didn't feel right. right. And it's on tape, so yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You, you know, call up MTV and ask them to show you what their archives are. So, you know what I like? I love this this little bevel here. Mm -hmm. Really amazing. These are uh, signature pickups too. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is cool. Can I check it out for a second? Don't touch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't even look at it. So I don't know if you wanna. Um, we've been watching like on the the internet, like fun little like tutorial this is how you play this song if you want to do something like that for one of the how about you have him show me my songs and I'll tell you he's doing it right last night I was up all night figuring out the song okay we'll see here I'll give you this one I'm watching yeah okay cool so if you want to just kind of set this up John and say you know what you did last night and this is United Abominations and you can just respond see if he's doing it right there what does it sound like it sound like so, do you want me in the shot or should okay. <laughs> Dave, I, I can't play this, but I know in front of you I'm not going to play it, right? Ah, okay, let me do it again. <laughs> That part's crazy. Was is? Are you playing a harmony or that? I think so. I have to figure it out again. Let me see. How's that song go? Okay. <laughs> Here's a bit. Yeah, you gotta get some different pitch. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. What are you asking about there? The, the, um, that right there, right? Yeah. See, what I do so with the chords, like, if I, if I, there's a major, right? Right. Now, do you want to, instead of having to tune your guitar down all the way, you just move it over one. It's even lower. You move it over one more. It's even lower. Right? So this chord. That's how I'm going. Because that chord right there, yes, this one. I thought you were doing really low. Right. Yeah. That sounds cool. Sorry, I'm not retarded. I'm just trying to learn the song again. So. The, well, there's another thing that I just couldn't do. Um, thanks. And it was that beginning because I know it's like a. Like, But I, I don't think that's what you're what you're doing. I think you're going. But that's it, yeah. But that's now, what it how are you like. doing it with the G? I mean, like how? Like, I can do that, but then, and I can go. Yeah, but like. Wait, I, wait. Let's hear it. Okay. Oh, just doing it open. I mean, it makes more sense to me. I'd have to to play it again to figure out what I did. But you know, I only show you something I know. <laughs> yeah. um, What's your favorite Megadeth song, you guys? Huh? Uh, mine. I, you know what? You know what song is awesome? And I, you played this first time I saw Megadeth, which was in Boston in '88. Uh, Hook and Mouth. Such a great song. Okay. I just. Yeah. All right. I remember when one. when when you guys did the, the PMRC rant. And, Okay, now I sit here and then play the bass. Oh, yeah. Oh, you Yeah. Right? Wow. I just heard on, believe it or not, Serious Radio is playing... Uh, 502, like a couple of weeks ago. Better than Hawaii 50, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was kind of an obscure thing for them to play. Yeah, it is. It was awesome. Because, you know, they don't call it a 502 in California anymore, so they now don't. I look like I'm talking about somebody's address. You know what it is, right? No. What's it? There you go. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a drunk driving. Well, 502, I knew it was a drunk driving. I didn't know what they you call it now. You just told me you said you didn't know. Oh, I thought you meant, do you know what they call it now? Well, neither do I. Five oh two, yeah. One eight seven, I think we know because yeah. Of, yeah. yeah because I think they just got lazy and did DUI. DUI. Did I? Did you? Did you I? Right. <laughs> I've never know. <laughs> do you I? <laughs> oh, is there anything else you wanted to, to do with the guitar? 
Yeah. I'll talk about it. Yeah, give me yeah. this. Um, I think what you'll notice here that's really neat about, you know, obviously you pointed out these bevels and stuff here, but we really looked at a lot of the construction, the wood length and the grain of the wood is really tight, so it'll sustain a lot better. You can't tell because it's black, but... What is this wood? Is it mahogany or is it alder? Or... It's supposed to be mahogany. Right. For all I know, it could be balsa wood. <laughs> but um, it's got the signature David Stein line wire pickups in it. It's got Tone Pro bridge. Uh, we've got all Tone Pro knobs and everything. I use GHS signature progressive strings. And on the back here, you'll see this is definitely a prototype because it's still handwritten. Wow. And these are Grover tuners with Jim Dunlop strap locks on the back because I wiggle around on stage a little bit and the strap falls off. And it's really kind of hard to look cool when the guitars are on your feet. That's cool how the strap lock is actually like in I mean, it's like in the guitar because I thought I, you know, okay, I guess I don't have Dunlop. No, you so, don't. Yeah, what is this? You don't have Shit, anything like mine. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's cool. <laughs> I know that's that's not, but I never saw these kind of strap blocks before. Well, because I had them embedded. This right, is, right. That's this is my thing. Embedded. That's cool. Most guitar players will have it sticking up. Right. I don't know. I guess they like that feeling of having a knob rubbing against their belly. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Just terrible. And there's a, a battery in there, right? <laughs> you have active pickups, right? Uh, yeah, well, unless that's a compartment for hiding drugs. Oh, it's a battery. Yep. Cool. And what is this, an uh, Ebony fingerboard? I mean, it's really black, so that's what I thought it could be ebony. None blacker. Um, mini fret wire. I don't like the big fret wire. Oh, cool. You know, because my tabs on the ends of my fingers aren't um, very small, so when I get up here in these top frets, trying to get into those frets right there... They're kind of flat, too, which I like. The frets are my fingers. No, the, the frets. <laughs> yeah, they, they, frets. they've been uh, rubbed down a little bit, but a lot of that's wear on them, too. You know, I, I really like the guitar to have as much space on the fret for landing as possible because I don't look when I'm playing because I have to look at people so that they don't say, oh, he never looks at me when he sings. So a lot of times I'll, I'll look away and I need to really be able to land in there. Plus, you know, when you get really uh, high fret wire, you stand the chance of having more material there for a guitar tech to have uh, to struggle with or something you can do to the guitar where you get a burr on it and string a hook on it. Right. I've had that happen where the, this E string is like stuck under the fret. Now, are, uh, you said a progressive, uh, your signature strings, is it like a 10 here or a 9? This is a 10, that's a 52. Wow. It's really, really heavy gauge because um, I think it sounds better. And you know, most wimpy guitar players will have 8s on here because they can't, they can't stretch the strings or something like that. Um, eat your spinach. I think that they should get uh, stronger strings because it just, has so much more material in order for the string to vibrate over the poles. And on top of the fact of that, the tinsel, which is a fancy word for how strong the metal is, because this is a progressive alloy, what happens is the core on this string, the size of a stronger alloy, they're able to um, get more tone out of it because uh, it, to have that gauge, what we're playing with inside is a much better string. So I can beat this thing and it won't break as easily as a normal string will. Plus the tonality of these strings are better. Uh, we went through a couple different uh, sets until I found exactly what I wanted. But I mean basically with this guitar there's not really much more that you would want to do with a guitar unless you're a guitar player that used um, active in and out of phase switching on your guitar. And I think if you get to that point where you're splitting coils on your pickup and you're doing stuff like that, you're obviously not in a band because real musicians don't use those. <laughs> 
cool. is there any have you heard any covers of like Megadeth songs that like you really liked or ones you really hated? And would you give any would you give any sort of advice to people out there who are covering Megadeth songs what not to do? Arch enemy did yeah, there's been a lot of people that, that have, have done it. Arched Enemy was a compliment. We had a band called the Tiger Tails from England do a cover of Peace Cells, and I heard it, and my ass grew together. I was so embarrassed. I was, <laughs> what are you going to do with that? These guys, they didn't look like they were, you know, exactly what they sound. Tiger Tails, right? Now, right, imagine like, them running like, around like, on stage like that, singing one of my songs. <laughs> they sucked all the cool right out of that song, and... Somebody had sent it to me, and I thought it was a really, really bad joke. There's, another, there's a lot of tribute records out there, and, and some of the bands, you know, they do really good. I like when people take creative license to do what they want, you know. Maybe, maybe change the song a little bit, because if you're going to do a cover like the way we usually approach it, we try and either do it the same way and do it better, or we try and modify the song a little bit and do it our own way. Like with these Boots Are Made For Walking, when we did that by Lee Hazelwood, um, we had that song out for almost 12 years after I had rearranged everything and the guy sends me a letter saying I've changed the lyrics to something violent and offensive. Well, what's violent and offensive is that he cashed the check for 12 years before, right. before he complained. Yeah. Right. But, you know, what? it's like, <laughs> funny thing, uh, when we re-released the record, we took it off and then we did the master and I put every word he had in there that was his word, I put an asterisk in it. Unfortunately, being very tacky when he died, I wrote a letter and I said, rest in Asterix, asterix, asterix. <laughs> <laughs> so. You've, you, you know, we were talking about politics earlier. I mean, you've always kind of followed politics. Any thoughts on the 2008 candidates for president? Dual citizenship. Dual citizenship. Like you're going to yeah. another country? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, you know what? The, the, the thing is, I, I think people have missed the point of the political process. There are much better people that are capable of leading our country than the people who are running. Mm -hmm. you got to ask somebody, why are they going to this extent to lead the country? Why don't we as the people pick the right person? Why do we have all these other people, you know, that were relentlessly digging in their closets to find out who's queer, who's smoked crack, who's a lesbian? Right. You know, why do we care about that? Why can't we go back to the day where dudes had swords and rode horses and, you know, the right guy led? Yeah. I personally think that you've got people who can lead huge corporations. America's like a corporation. Absolutely. You know, the military's like a corporation, you know. I don't know. I think it's just going to be the same stuff. It's just going to continue to go on like it is. And uh, the lyrics in United Abominations talks a lot about what my feelings are. I think the United States is losing its grip as a world power. Mm-hmm. We've become, we used to be the good world power. Now we're not looked at like that as an international traveler. You know, the anti-American sentiment that I see, because I blend into the woodwork real easy. I can fake an accent when I go other places, oh, yeah. and if someone go, you fucking American, I'll say, I'm Canadian, eh? <laughs> and get away with it like that, because I got two Canadians in the band. I'll just steal their passport real quick. But anyways, um, you know, it's, it's sad, because uh, we were looked at for a long time as liberators and, and defenders of you know, the weak, and, and it doesn't really look like that right now. We need a president that's going to get us back on track, and it's going to make you know, us proud to be American again. I mean, I'm proud to be an American, but I see a lot of other people you know, that... that uh, just don't like us. And to our men and women in uniform, thank you. I'm not one of those pussy musicians that'll say I don't support our military. Right. We, you know, I think the war should be done. If I was leading, it would have been boom. Right. And then we would have had a ticker tape parade a couple of days later and, you know, it would have been over by now. But that's just me.
I was going right, to say. I think we got to wrap it up. Oh, okay. So, um, can I just have you do a Hey, I'm Dave Mustaine, and you're watching Talking Metal promo? Sure. You want to do it with the guitar and the camera? If you want to do a riff or something, that's cool. Do a riff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see if I remember the circus song. How's that? That's great. Is it on? Oh, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to see her. Hi, I'm Dave Mustaine from Megadeth, and you are watching Talking Metal here with me and my friends. Recruiting the faded for the war. A legion of uneducated, bankrupt souls. With a lust for revenge, answering the call. From New York, Qatar to Caliph Arabia. Desperation provides fertile ground for religious extremism. This glorious brainwashing where prejudice lies like a crouching tiger, tormenting peasants till they erect an army under everyone's nose. In the end, propaganda destroys their DNA. God help them. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.